We are the opinions team from Empowered Journalism, and this is the Empowered Opinions Podcast. He is very fiery, he's feisty, he's so opinionated. Here's Morgan walking off was completely unjustified. He won't ever be silenced or silenced. I think if we had the same situation with someone just local, like there wouldn't be as much debate about it and they would be condemned. So hello everyone and welcome to episode two of the Empowered Opinions podcast. I'm Eva and I'm joined with Sanjana today and we are two of the opinion editors on the Empowered Journalism platform. And today we're joined by Mads and Brooke and we're going to be talking about a very exciting topic. But before we get into it, I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who's been so lovely about our first podcast. It was so much fun to record and it's really nice to see it out in the world and to see people enjoying it. So yeah, a big thank you from me and a big thank you from all the other girls as well for all the love that you've given to that podcast. So Sanjana, do you want to introduce our topic? Absolutely. And yeah, thank you so much for all your support. It's been so exciting for us and we're so excited to be on this journey with you guys. So this week, we've got a pretty contentious topic coming up. So as I'm sure you all know, Piers Morgan has recently stepped down from his role on Good Morning Britain. So today we're going to be debating things about his platform, whether he should have had a platform for so long, where is he going to go next? And we have Madison Brooke who've both written on this as well, so make sure you check out their amazing articles on that on our section. And we're going to hear a little bit more about what they think and what motivated their opinions on this as well. Brilliant. Okay, so can we just start with an introduction then? So Mads, do you want to go first? Do you want to sort of introduce yourself? Let us know how you got into journalism and who your female journalism role model is. Hi, yeah, so I'm Mads. I am 23 and I didn't really get into journalism properly until last year. So I always had my heart set on history as the route I wanted to go down. And it wasn't until I started writing for my university paper that I actually realised journalism was what I was meant to be doing. And then last year at the beginning of lockdown, I co-founded Empowered Journalism with some lovely girls. And now here we are like, what, nine months on and we've got a podcast. It's like crazy. So yeah, I think my role model would have to be Laura Coonsberg. (laughs) So even though she's one of the most watched presenters on TV and an absolute queen, she's just so down to earth and committed to empowering women. So she has different platforms within the BBC to help women who are an underrepresented group in the media. Amazing. I love Laura Coonsberg so much as well. (laughs) So Brooke, do you want to introduce yourself and sort of tell us a bit about how you got into journalism and who your female journalism role models are? Hi, so I'm Brooke and I'm 17 and I originally got into journalism when I was 14 years old and I just loved having the ability to have a good debate and ask people questions about their opinions and being able to give people a platform where all opinions can be expressed. And I think that's one of the key roles of a journalist. And honestly, my favourite journalist today is probably Victoria Derbyshire. And she's very high up within the BBC. And I think she uses her platform for promoting not only women, but also her own journey. Obviously, she's gone through cancer. And I think the way she talks about it and the way she makes it so well known that she went through it I think that's really inspiring because obviously so many women go through that and I think to have someone so high up within the media today who openly talks about that I think it could really inspire women who are going through the same thing. Definitely I think that's so important that we talk about things like that. Yeah that's incredible I have to echo that Victoria Derbyshire is probably 
my female role model as if I was thinking about a journalist that I really admire Victoria Derbyshire is right up there and especially recently she's done some great work what a queen that's all I have to say (laughs) (laughs) so um, Mads as you said you started up Empowered Journalism during lockdown which is amazing and it's so exciting that it's got as big as it is and I've been so lucky to be a part of it as well but that's something very professional that's happened over lockdown so our question to both you and Brooke is now is there anything wacky that you picked up over lockdown that you want to share with everyone if we go to Mads first um mine's not that wacky to be honest I took up yoga so I'd started doing it before lockdown but I just didn't really keep up with it and then when I was literally just stuck in the house all the time, like I couldn't be bothered to go outside every day because I'm quite lazy. So like I bought my own yoga mat, I bought gym gear and then I just started doing it every day. And since then I've sort of started getting into meditation as well and like a lot of mindfulness. So I think it's not really wacky. and It's quite mainstream at the minute, I think. But yeah, that's mine. Oh, I love that, man. And I, even though it's not wacky, I think it's so important. Like I think so many people have rediscovered their inner self during lockdown and actually like weirdly so we had a bunch of yoga mats at my house that we got from India when I was really young we've been trying to sell them on eBay for years and never (laughs) been able to sell them and suddenly during lockdown we were like in we were getting the big bucks (laughs) like I spent so much of my first lockdown if you want to talk about wacky wrapping yoga mats to sell to other people (laughs) which is just so weird but there you go so that habit helped us a lot Brooke what about you anything fun or anything interesting that you got into over lockdown I guess you could say that mine is like quite wacky but I've recently been getting into making homemade soaps so I bought quite a lot of equipment and like flavorings and colorings and molds and I basically I'll just make them then I can just sell them on to people I can keep them to myself and they're just great gifts really so yeah, I've been getting into that quite a lot with my mom, So that's been really nice, like this lockdown. That's amazing. I wish I was doing something as creative as that. That is really, really cool. Eva, do you have anything to add? Do you have any habit to share? Oh gosh, <laughs> um, I think the only thing I can really do is echo Mads because I've got into yoga and fitness a lot more over lockdown. And I think I've appreciated how important it is to do fitness more regularly because I've really noticed when I've not been doing it. So yeah, I think it's good that we're connecting with our inner selves a bit more in lockdown. Okay, so without further ado, let's move into the main portion of the segment, which is our debate about the man, the myth, the legend, or not the legend, (laughs) that's what we'll be deciding today, Piers Morgan. So we'll start with... Piers Morgan has had a platform for a long time, so we've known about him for a while. He's been pretty big in the media world, during which he's made quite a few controversial comments. Should he have been allowed this platform in the first place? If we start with Brooke, and then we'll go over and hear what Maddie has to say as well. So I totally agree that he should be allowed this platform. Obviously, he has a platform on social media, and he also had a very big platform on Good Morning Britain. So Obviously, social media is there for everybody to use and it's a place where people can express their views openly. And I think personally, if you were going to deny someone the right to use social media, I just think it's wrong and arguably a form of discrimination. Just because our opinions differ from the wider part of society, it doesn't mean they should be silenced. Also, regarding his position on Good Morning Britain, 
ITV employed him to have a debate and he did that. He fulfilled his role and they knew the type of broadcaster he was. Obviously, he is very fiery, he's feisty, he's so opinionated. I think that's also really important to remember. And he did provide a nation with entertainment and a debate and everyone got involved, whether or not you were vocal about it on social media. It gave you something to think about. And I think that he should be allowed this platform because it's opening up a wider perspective to everybody. And I think it just allowed more of a debate. And also to have a debate, you have to have a proposition and an opposition. Obviously, in many cases, Piers was the opposition. And whether or not you agreed with him, it did provide entertainment. And I do think he should have been allowed that platform for the time that he had it. Thanks, Brooke, for opening up the debate. And I think you came up with some really interesting points there. We'll go over to Maddie. What's your response to that or anything that you wanted to put forward? I think it's quite a difficult question because I want to echo what Brooke said about freedom of speech. You know, we are a democratic nation and we can't just remove that. But at the same time, it's knowing where to draw the line. So I remember like last January in 2020, he used racial slurs to describe a Chinese dairy company. And that to me, that just steps over that line of freedom of speech, especially being as prominent a figure as he is. He is influencing more people than I think he realises, especially people that maybe aren't as educated on issues like this. So I think... It is quite difficult. I don't really know how I'd answer, like whether we should have been given the platform. I think at the beginning, yes, but I don't think he should have stayed on Good Morning Britain for as long as he did. They should have been tackling the way he was addressing certain issues. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it's a it's a really interesting debate when we have a look at the freedom of speech debate. And that leads really nicely into what I want to talk about next and our kind of next discussion point. So obviously, the main reason why Piers Morgan came under fire recently was because he commented about not believing um, Meghan Markle's comments about her own mental health. And a lot of people said that this it wasn't his place to comment on this. So I wonder then, do either of you have an opinion about whether there should be certain restrictions on journalists when they're sharing opinions on sensitive topics? So at what point do we draw the line with discussing opinions? Matt, do you want to kick that off for us? So we've got the ethical code that all journalists must follow. And it does give us advice on how to deal with things like grief and suicide, which I guess is what Meghan Markle was getting at with her interview. You know, she had suicidal thoughts. She was struggling a lot. But we also must be sensitive. It's a difficult one for journalists because the code is very general. You know, there's not there's no specifics. And I think that does make it hard for journalists because, you know, you see cases in the news where some people seem to be getting away with more than others. But I also think that it was a huge attack on such a sensitive subject. And even if, you know, it wasn't against the law, it's just morally incorrect. That's really interesting. Thank you, Madison. Just kind of a quick follow-up question before we go on to Brooke. Do you think that the ethical code surrounding journalists, do you think that should be altered in some way following this debate? Yeah, I think it definitely should. So I was actually, because I'm doing my NCTG at the minute, so I was actually looking at the code this morning and... Clause three of the code, which is harassment, that didn't actually come into place until the death of Princess Diana. So it made me think, is what happened with Meghan Markle going to trigger something to change with this code? Because 
some areas are really detailed and it is really clear how we should be acting but on other areas it just isn't so I guess in that sense it is quite difficult to then punish Piers Morgan because was he actually going against the law not really but he was going against the ethical standards so I think like I mentioned before there is like this line and it's just really difficult for journalists to know what side they're on and when they're actually crossing it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's a, it definitely is quite a nuanced debate, I feel like. So, Brooke, would you like to share your thoughts about that? So, obviously, Mads mentioned the ethical code, which I completely obviously understand and I agree with. But in regards to having a restriction on journalists, I think I don't actually think there should be a restriction on a journalist when sharing opinions. It's like Mads said, there could be more sensitivity applied to his opinions and I do completely recognise why there was backlash. He spoke and dismissed almost someone's mental health claims and, you know, I'm not here to say whether or not I believe their claims, whether I'm not, but what I am trying to say is he overall called Megan out to be a liar in a sense. He didn't believe anything she said. So I think it's important to also recognise that he did justify what he meant by the mental health claims he did say that he thought it was bad on part of the royal family if these claims were true why didn't they help her and I completely agree with that point they're a big institution and they have all the resources available to help them and why didn't they so I do recognize and I completely agree with his point and his justification of that and like I said I do think that restricting somebody particularly a journalist who's paid for their opinions I think that there's always going to be disbelief from a journalist surrounding um, more prevalent issues. So obviously the Meghan Markle debate, it was always kind of inevitable that someone like Piers would challenge what she said. And, you know, it probably would have been better if Piers did clarify what he meant live on air rather than having to wait for the backlash and then do it afterwards. But I think it's also important to remember that he's on air arguing his point and I think he just would have rather got his point out. And yeah, I like I said, I don't agree with restricting um, people because at the end of the day, it is their right to freedom of speech and expressing their opinion, which is what a journalist is paid to do. Thanks so much, Brooke. And I think some really interesting points there, especially about kind of the landscape of journalism moving forward and the role of a journalist, which I think we're still sort of working out today as well, which is why we're able to have this amazing debate. I think that leads quite nicely onto our third question, because I think we see a lot of the time now, kind of what does the role of controversy play in terms of entertainment? Like, what is the purpose of a journalist as well? I think all of those questions are being raised at the moment, especially I think recently some news came out about the Telegraph rewarding their journalists for popularity in articles. So I think it's a really interesting debate to be had. And so our third talking point was, what are the ethics surrounding hiring someone who is controversial over someone who's qualified? And that's not to say that Piers Morgan isn't qualified as a journalist. He's done some really good work, especially holding the government to account, especially in this pandemic. But definitely, like you said, ITV knew that Piers Morgan was controversial when he hired him. um, And they did that for a particular reason. And is that the right way to be hiring on a talk show? Is controversy like an asset? If we go to Brooke first and then we'll go over to Maddie. Yeah, so I just, when I first read the question, I did think that it's important to recognise that obviously he is qualified despite being controversial. And I think the whole thing about him being controversial is that not everyone will agree. But 
that again just makes it for a good debate and that is what GMB is about and if we don't provide people with more controversial and different opinions like if we don't allow them a platform then it's not only going to create a more neutral debate but in a sense it's almost silencing the opposing viewpoint and I think that for a talk show, it's about entertainment. And I think he provided that completely. And yeah, I just think people with controversial opinions, such as Piers Morgan, he elevated every debate he did. He got the nation talking. And I think that is really significant. And I think that's really important for ITV when employing him. I think that's a really important point to raise. And actually, probably just to follow up on that as well. We talked a lot about how GMB specifically is a talk show or specifically looks to entertain. So would you say with that talking point, there maybe needs to be a bit more nuance, like it depends on who's hiring or what they're hiring for, whether kind of controversy or just kind of more neutral debate is required from the journalist? So I do agree that for an entertainment show where you're looking for a debate, then it's more appropriate to hire someone with the viewpoint of, for example, Piers Morgan. And obviously, if you're presenting, say, BBC Breakfast News, then it's probably not appropriate to go on national television and express the views that he did. But, you know, it just all links back to the idea that GMB was an entertainment programme, not necessarily just the news. So people who watched GMB knew that Piers Morgan was fiery. They knew it was a debating programme. But for something like the news, obviously, having a presenter like Piers Morgan, who is that opinionated, it probably isn't the best idea to employ him. So, yeah, I do agree that it depends on the type of show and what the producers themselves are looking for and what the show is about. That's great. Thank you so much, Brooke. Really interesting insights there. And now we'll hand over to Mads to see if she has anything to say, like especially whether you think GMB as a talk show, whether there's still kind of a line that they need to have in terms of who they employ and the ethics of who they employ as well. So yes, I completely agree with Brooke in that it does depend on the programme. So Good Morning Britain is not primarily a news programme like you'd see on Sky News or the BBC. It doesn't justify their reasoning behind hiring him, but you can see why they did, because as a controversial figure, as someone willing to ask those questions that no one else wants to ask, they've created a show. And like Brooke said, they he has created debate, you know, even though some of the things he says, you know, can be racist, can be very discriminative. He does bring the debate. And I think that that is really important. But at the same time, I think having like a man as Piers Morgan on your show, you do need to keep him in check and be really careful about how he does act. So like with the Jeremy Kyle show, for example, when one of the guests came on and then he'd committed suicide like a week later and then Jeremy Kyle got loads of backlash and then the show stopped. It's sort of things like that which can... You know, I can sort of see this happening with Good Morning Britain and I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but some of the comments he makes, you know, when they are about mental health, which is such a sensitive issue, I do worry that he is going to just take it too far one time and that something is going to come of it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's really interesting to hear different opinions about the purpose of programmes like Good Morning Britain, because that's something I hadn't really considered in this debate. And I think it is quite pertinent to the comments that Piers Morgan has made and his actions as a journalist. And sort of speaking of his actions, like the next point that I want to move on to is his actions after he made the comments about Meghan Markle. So when he um, was on set the following day, as we all know, Alex Beresford, who is one of the weather presenters on Good Morning Britain, called him out on his behaviour. And then he walked off set. 
So I wonder if either of you think this was the correct way to handle the criticism or should he have acted differently? So I'll go to Brooke first for that one. Yes, I remember watching it. I did agree with him walking off. And I know a lot of people on social media did call him a snowflake. But I think it's important to remember that Piers and Alex, as much as they had that debate, they were still co-workers. And in my opinion, Piers walked off thinking and bearing in mind that he had a relationship on a like professional level with Alex. And to me, when I was watching, I didn't agree with the way that Alex went around handling the situation. I did think that you know, it was on national television and Alex did belittle Piers so much. And I think that was highly inappropriate for him to do so because obviously he did disagree with Piers' point, as did many other people. And I do understand that. But I think that he appeared to disregard it completely. And it just came across to me and obviously many other people on social media that Alex could have his opinion, but Piers couldn't have his. And I think the difference is Piers... He did say his opinion, but he did justify it. He debated it, whereas Alex completely disregarded him, in my opinion. He went against Piers. He didn't debate it. He just flat out called him diabolical, etc. And I do think that that completely justified him walking off set. Although, like I said, many people did see him as a snowflake. I do overall think he was just not wanting to wreck his professional relationship with his colleague. Yeah, that's really interesting, is it? It's quite a difficult dynamic between Alex and Piers because obviously they are co-workers. So I think that that does kind of lend itself to thinking about Piers walking off set inside kind of a different way to just him just throwing a strop, basically. So Madge, do you want to lend your opinions to this discussion? So I think that Piers Morgan walking off was completely unjustified. But Piers Morgan... He is a fiery figure and he is used to challenging other people. But then it seems that when that's reversed back on him, he can't seem to handle it. You know, he doesn't mind intimidating his guests. He doesn't mind having a very strong opinion on mental health. But then as soon as someone calls him out for that, he just storms off set. So I feel as though he should have handled it better. You know, you can't give criticism if you're not going to take it yourself. So I feel like that sort of put me down in his expectations because, you know, at the end of the day, he's a journalist and he is quite renowned for that. But I feel as though he just acted so childish. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I think it's been so good to see both sides of that debate there and the kind of really complex dynamic of the working relationship that's going on, but also Piers was on set and he also was being held accountable by, by one of his co-workers. And to what extent should that have played out on set is a whole nother question, but I think it's definitely an interesting one. And I think actually one that I kind of want to pursue a little bit further. So I'm going to ask if Brooke has any responses to what Mads has just said. So I do agree with what Mads said, and I do recognise that obviously it did make Piers ultimately look like a bit of a snowflake and very childish in a sense obviously he can dish out intimidation he can challenge people but you know through him walking off set I do understand why it made him look like he can't take criticism and you know ultimately I am going to stand by what I think which is he was trying to save his relationship however I can see why Mads and other people can view Piers now as not being able to handle criticism. Yeah it's really interesting to see those kind of two different sides of that debate yeah, definitely. And um, I guess I'll just go to Mantle one more time, see if she wants to add anything to that, particularly about the kind of 
co-worker dynamic was it necessary for Piers to walk off to save face or like could it have just been sorted out behind the scenes what's your opinion on that bit especially yeah I was just thinking as Brooke was speaking there it is really surprising that he acted so dramatically like that because Piers is quite he comes across as a very powerful man in a very nothing faces him you know what I mean like yeah like quite a strong character yeah like he's very like he's a very strong character so the fact that he did storm off I don't know whether I don't know whether there was there was some alternative motive to that and that's just me going off on a whim but yeah I definitely agree that it could have been sorted behind the scenes like it was unnecessary drama and I don't know whether that was maybe planned to try and get more viewers or what um but yeah it was just it was quite just strange yeah I think that's a really interesting point that you raised there and I think it's something that I thought of as well actually I watched it and I just thought this is so odd like it's dramatic but it seems so dramatic that like if someone told me tomorrow oh actually the ITV producers told Alex and Piers to like basically make a mess of things and have a bit of a drama like I'd believe it because it is it it is something that I could see them doing, like kind of capitalising on the heat of the situation. So I think that's another interesting point to consider, like to what extent are we seeing the journalists who are being asked to carry out the kind of behind the scenes producer aspect of it as well. Yeah, so that kind of leads us quite nicely into our next talking point, actually, because discussing the producers and discussing ITV as a whole, because obviously Good Morning Britain is a programme on ITV, so they are ultimately in charge of what what gets produced on that programme. With Piers's past and Piers's um, strong character in general and his approach to journalism in general, he has made, as we've already mentioned, a lot of controversial comments in the past. So the next point I want to raise is, should ITV have intervened sooner? And was the situation handled in the correct way? So kind of, again, um, linking back to the aftermath of the situation. So Madge, do you want to kick us off with that one? I think it's a difficult one because on the one hand, ITV want views like they want people to watch their show and when they hired Piers all those years ago he was a wild card and they knew he was a wild card when they hired him but I don't think they realized how controversial he would become and the fact that he actually has a lot of following on social media and even despite all the controversy surrounding him he's still quite well respected by a lot of people so I think for them, it's quite difficult to decide what to do with him because if they just suddenly sacked him one day without any controversy, I think that would give them a lot of backlash. Whereas now they've sort of had more of a reason to get rid of him. So I think, I don't know whether timing in the situation kind of had a hand to play in that. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I really like what you said about the fact that ITV ultimately want views because I was at the Women in Media conference last week um, listening to Hannah Ewens, who's um, an editor at Vice, and she was talking about how her role as an editor is overshadowed sometimes by the fact that there's a person above her who's going to be writing the headline and she's not in charge of that. So I think, yeah, that's really interesting to consider that sometimes these journalists aren't 100% in control of the content that they're putting out to the world. So, Brooke, I wonder what your thoughts are about whether ITV should have intervened sooner. So, listening to Mads then, I realised that we had a similar point that, you know, Mads said that they had more of a reason to intervene now. And I do agree with that because obviously, like we said, he is a controversial character. However, I don't think any of his past comments has 
had this much influence and impact on people obviously like we discussed he was talking about a woman's mental health and dismissing it etc so I do think that it gave them more of a motive to give him the ultimatum of to either publicly apologize or to leave Good Morning Britain and you know I do also think that they did handle the situation quite appropriately and correctly because you know obviously they responded to what some of the public wanted obviously there was 41,000 complaints made to Ofcom which is a significant amount so you know they responded to that whilst also ensuring that peers had a choice and you know I do think they handled it correctly. Like both of you have said it can be really difficult from a kind of free speech point of view and from a producer point of view to intervene when there isn't something let's say going against the journalist code of ethics there is more that needs to be done in the defining of those things but it can't all necessarily be put on one party and I think that's something that's really come through in this debate the fact that there are so many different parties involved. Leading on to perhaps audience members within this debate as well, do you guys think there have been any positives from peers' comments in the debates that they've raised amongst us as audience members? So, for example, around uh, mental health on social media. If I go to Brooke first and then to Matt. Yeah, so obviously, despite the whole situation, on social media there has been more discussion surrounding mental health. And I think that is the main positive to come out of the whole event. And you know, after his comments were made, people were coming forward with their own mental health experiences and they were discussing them. And I think that that's really, really important, especially on social media, because not only are they raising awareness, but hopefully through them coming out with their stories, they're also gaining more support for themselves. So that is a large benefit, you know, despite his negative comments, people have managed to turn it into a positive, whether they've meant to or not. And people have been more able to access support from you know even just strangers just someone to talk to so I think that's really really positive and significant and I think that's the best thing to have come out of the situation. Brilliant thank you so much and I think yeah you have some really really good and pertinent points there about the conversation community that audience members can build as well and just reminding us so clearly that kind of journalism isn't in a vacuum, but it's something that kind of engages with many people who are engaging with the various debates being put forward as well, whether positive or negative, and there are both sides to that. Matt, what do you think about that question? So whilst his actions on Good Morning Britain did spark a debate, I feel as though, you know, like with the pandemic, mental health has been on the forerunner for a long time. And I don't think that this was exactly a new phenomenon. So yes, you know, we did see a surge and people talking about it, but it was more that they were condemning Pierce's actions rather than talking about what we can be doing for mental health. And I think like that week you had International Women's Day on the Monday and the interview. And then on the Tuesday you had Piers Morgan condemning Meghan Markle's claims. And then on Wednesday you had the disappearance and murder of Sarah Everard. So I think everything sort of coupled together. And I think it's quite difficult to sort of distinguish between what was actually a direct result of Piers Morgan and what was actually just the landscape at the time. You know, there was so much going on that week. I don't know whether, you know, whether it would have happened if only two events happened or whether all of them had to happen. Yeah, I think that's something that's really important to note. First of all, it's not like ever in the media you can identify one cause. And also, like, it does at times, I think, feel a bit strange to say that, oh, thanks to Piers Morgan, we had these really good debates. Because first of all, it shouldn't 
take an instance like this, what happened with Sarah Everard or what very controversial comments that could be triggering to trigger those types of debates. But also, yeah, I think it was just a very emotionally heavy week. And so there were just so many different conversations going on. And I think it was very overwhelming. And while there were some really positive conversations going on, there were some kind of negative aspects to that as well. And definitely remember that week being quite an emotional toll for me. I had to take some time off Twitter. So yeah, I think those are both really interesting sides to the debate about how social media plays a role in engaging with peers' comments or any controversial comments that tend to come out on media. Eva, did you have anything to add on that? Yeah, I think I can only really echo what you just said, Sanjana, about how much of an emotional toll that week of news had on me because it was the first time that I felt really affected by a news story, especially with the case of Sarah Everard. It's quite important to recognise that that conversation surrounding mental health is a very important conversation to have, but shouldn't just be confined to one specific instance. It shouldn't take something like Piers Morgan making those comments to spark a debate surrounding mental health. And that kind of leads on quite nicely to our next point. So Mads mentioned previously about condemning Piers' actions on social media, which is what a lot of people have been doing recently. And also they're equally, as Brooke's been saying, a lot of people supporting him. So is it possible to respect Piers' previous journalistic pursuit while also condemning his recent actions? Do you think those two things can exist at once, basically? So Mads, do you want to kick us off with that one? I think it's difficult for me to say that I respect him. And I think the way he's treated certain women, certain groups in society, I just personally can't really respect him. And that's not to say that he isn't a brilliant journalist because we have seen that he's he's held the government to account. You know, he has done some really important interviews which have, you know, changed the landscape for politics. But at the same time, I just don't think it can be seen as something that we can respect him for because at the end of the day, he is an investigative journalist. That is what, you know, that's in his job description. Like he, in certain cases, he goes above and beyond, but at the same time, he just doesn't seem to have an off switch. Like ethics doesn't seem to be a part of how he works. So for me personally, I can't ever say that. It's really interesting, Mad. So Brooke, would you like to give your opinions on that? So I actually completely disagree with Mads. I do respect him and, you know, I respect him quite massively, actually. And so I think it's important to recognise that his past handlings of the government and the coronavirus, for example, and his handlings with Megan, they're completely separate incidents. So obviously the coronavirus pandemic and holding the government accountable, that was on everybody's mind. Everybody was talking about it. And, you know, Majority of people had the same opinion on this. It was just more of him using his platform to get the questions that the court wanted. And obviously the Meghan Markle debate, it's completely different to obviously the coronavirus because of the discussion involved and who she is as a person, who she represents. I do think for this reason, it would be wrong to say that you can't respect him for what he has done, which you know many people do agree with and many people see as a positive. So... For me personally, I do massively respect him as a person, obviously. But yeah, I do think it would be wrong to disregard the more positive things that he's done and the things that have benefited an extremely large amount of people just because he said something that has sparked so much, you know, infuriation amongst the public. So I do think that you should always remember they are completely different events. And he did one thing for the good, one thing that not everyone agreed with. So I do think 
there is the ability to respect him as a journalist, despite him upsetting so many people. I think there are some really interesting points on both sides there about do we see a journalist as a collected body of, of all this journalistic work and the way that he's reacted to certain situations or do we take each journalistic situation as it goes and I think also some really interesting points about to what extent respect is the right word because I think what Mads raises is that she kind of recognizes him as like a good journalist or someone who has done his work well at times but cannot respect him because of certain ways he's handled other situations whereas as Brooke has highlighted for many journalists it can be easy to respect him because of how much good work that he has done kind of we need to separate certain things as well so I think again it raises some really interesting features about how we regard journalists as a whole and how we regard the function of the media. That is really interesting to bear in mind as we think about Piers Morgan's future as a journalist. So we've heard rumours, although these are not confirmed, that Piers Morgan is likely to join this new right-wing news network, GB News. And is it right that he will still maintain a following after these quite controversial comments on GMB? Brooke, if we go to you first. Yeah, so I do believe that Piers Morgan should be allowed on another platform, you know, where he can voice his opinions, because at the end of the day, if you like him or hate him, you have to recognise that he's very opinionated, but he's good at what he does. He's good at what he does in regards to holding people accountable, questioning people and getting the answers. And, you know, I'm not saying that he's handled every situation correctly, but I think it would be wrong to not allow him to continue doing this. Obviously, it is his job. And again, it's like ITV. They knew he was controversial. And especially after what's just happened, TV companies know exactly what to expect. So I think that he should be allowed to go on to other programmes to express his opinion because he does make good television. He does entertain people. And, you know, I think that he is a journalist and to me the point of a journalist is to present both sides of an argument to challenge people to have an opinion and he shouldn't be silenced completely and I think that by going on you know what people deem to be a more right-wing network it could be more appropriate for his opinions so I don't think he should be fully silenced and I think that if he goes on this program it will be deemed more acceptable. Yeah, I think you raised some interesting points again, kind of going back to what we were saying about programme versus appropriateness and like where uh, certain opinions should have certain platforms as well, where those would be appropriate if uh, certain platforms are kind of more appropriate for those opinions than others. Kind of in a follow-up to that, going back to freedom of speech. So let's say Piers is unable to get another job on another news network, not even GB News. Would that count as silencing if he was still able to use his social media platform to propagate his views, kind of bring his side of the debate? So yeah, I do agree that if Piers Morgan wasn't allowed on another TV show that in a sense he would be silenced because it's almost condemning him for having an opinion, in my opinion. And I think that it just goes back to the idea that now everyone's aware of what he's like and if he wasn't to get another job, then you couldn't really blame anyone else but the way he handled certain situations. So I would understand if he wasn't to get another position on like mainstream television, but... You know, he's the type of person that uses every platform he has to his own advantage. And I think that if he doesn't get a job, that is silencing him. But I don't think he'll ever be silenced, if that makes any sense. That's really interesting. Not to keep grilling you, Brooke, but I just have another kind of follow up question to that, because I wonder if you think, would it be different if he didn't have such a big social media platform? So if he'd been taken off of Good Morning Britain, but he only had like, 100 Twitter followers 
would that be a different situation do you think so yeah obviously if you did have a smaller amount of twitter followers in this situation would be completely different obviously i think in a sense i would still class it as silencing because they've removed him from tv for having and voicing his opinion so i don't think the amount of followers should you know define whether or not you can voice your opinion in a sense so i would still consider it a silencing but you know, the followers think he has a massive platform. So like I said, he won't ever be silenced or silenced. Even if he had very few followers, I would still take that as silencing because he was simply just stating an opinion and, you know, expressing his views. So yeah, that to me, I'd still take that as silencing first. Great. Thank you so much, Brooke, for all your opinions and for putting up with our follow-up questions as well. Mads, we'll give you some time to speak on this point as well and maybe grow you as well <laughs> if we have questions. <laughs> so I think, you know, it's a difficult one because gen- like we're caught between allowing people freedom of speech, which if we didn't have, we wouldn't be a democratic nation, but at the same time, holding people account for their actions. But you know, Piers Morgan isn't the first person we've seen who has made such controversial comments and remarks and who hasn't fully been punished for it because even though he did leave Good Morning Britain, his reputation hasn't really been tarnished. You know, he did get backlash on Twitter and, you know, all social media platforms, but people still follow him, people still like his interview tactics you know but like I was just thinking then as Brooke was speaking that you know with Trump we saw so many controversial comments on his Twitter like the amount of times his Twitter was shut down and the amount of times that it wasn't but it should have you know it comes to this sort of question of you know we should be holding politicians journalists public figures to account but it's How do we do that in a way that's allowing for freedom of speech? How are we doing it in a way that people still have their rights and that we still have the right to opinion? I think um, Trump is an interesting example to bring up here because I think what happened with Trump was there were so many... They're not, they weren't minor occasions, at least not in my head, but there were so many <laughs> occasions um, where I felt like, oh, he needs to, his Twitter needs to be like moderated or like the fake news kind of needs to be moderated here to the point until where it got so out of hand that, you know, we saw what happened in the Capitol. And I'm not ever saying that, you know, necessarily Piers is going to start a riot, but like, you know, to what extent do we have to kind of preempt something like that happening as well? Again, it's a really, really tough line to draw. Because we've got freedom of speech, obviously, but when Piers is making comments that could be considered as racist or misogynistic, to what extent can we see those topics as a debate? Maybe if I go to Mads first. Yeah, so I think if you are being racist or misogynistic, that is just not acceptable and it should never be up for debate, you know. You've sort of got to think of these situations like the people dealing with high public figures, you know, like with Trump and Piers Morgan, they're quite powerful. And I think if we had the same situation with someone just local, like just, I don't know, like a local doctor or someone or a local teacher, there wouldn't be as much debate about it and they would be condemned for that. So I feel like it's kind of a bit like a blame game. I think there are really interesting insights there, especially about this idea of like a blame game and the difference between these debates in a public sphere and the debates in the private sphere as well. Brooke, do you have anything to add to that? And also just thinking about topic point nine. So did Piers overstep his role as a journalist in making the comments that he did or any previous comments that he made, particularly thinking about uh, any misogyny or racism that he perpetrated? 
So firstly, I think that arguably you could say any topic is up for a debate because obviously, you know, it all comes down to opinion. Everyone's got a different opinion on everything. However, you know, I do agree with Mads when she said that we've put them in this position of power in a sense. So I think because of that, people with this position should watch what they say more. They should not necessarily not say their opinion, but maybe be a bit more sensitive, you know, with the whole Piers Morgan thing. Like I said, I respect him for giving his opinion. I agree with that, but he could have gone about it maybe a bit more sensitive. Any topic could be up for debate and it's just how someone handles, how they argue, etc. And I don't think he oversteps his role as a journalist. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that. And I just want to say that once again, it is an entertainment show and it's a debating show. And it goes all back to the idea of what I perceive to be a journalist. And it's someone to me who expresses their opinion openly and provides a debate and gives the other side of a point. And, you know, I think that his role was not only just to entertain, but to also present this other side of the argument. And I think he did that well. No matter how much controversy he did cause, he did present the other side. And I think that's important to recognise you know, I also think it's important to recognise that he overall was calling Megan out for being a liar. Like, that's what his overall opinion of her was. And from seeing this on social media, from seeing people agree with him, I did also see that people were arguing in favour of Piers and allowing him his freedom of speech. And so it just made me think more about past debates as well. So, you know, obviously he's made a lot of comments. So, say, for example, in his debates about veganism etc it did just make me think that if people can handle a debate they should be able to handle opposing viewpoints and that is the purpose of a debate to argue your side against someone else's side you know it just made me think that what is the point of having journalists who are paid for their opinion if it's going to cause this much traction and it did just make me question that for quite a long time actually that's a really really interesting point brooke and I've just got another follow-up question for you again, because while you were talking, I was wondering whether you think the crux of the issue is how Piers expressed his opinion rather than his opinion itself. Yeah, so I do think that it's not necessarily his opinion, because like I said, his opinion overall was that everything she said was a lie, not just specifically the mental health. So I don't think that was the main problem. I think the way he went about it on national television and you know he didn't like I said he didn't justify his opinion on air he had to do that afterwards and I think people at home watching that the justification wasn't out there yet it wasn't made public he hadn't done it so they're instantly going to criticize him for what he said he didn't you know he just didn't justify it and I think had he justified it at the time on national television I think the situation I think the situation still would have been quite bad but I think it could have been a lot better for him personally and the situation overall. Thanks for answering that. And some really interesting points raised there as well about what happens on air versus what happens afterwards and the immediacy of responding to what happens on air as well. Matt, did you want to add anything about Piers and the way he expresses his opinions versus the way that his opinions are? Kind of, Do you see a difference between those two or do you feel like both his opinions and the way that he expresses them are equally as condemnable? I don't think all of his opinions are condemnable. You know, he certainly has made some very strong claims and some very rightly justified claims, especially questioning the government and, you know, holding them to account for everything that happens during the pandemic. But the racist slurs he uses, his misogyny, that is something that 
you know, we can't just excuse that. And I think, you know, whilst not all of his opinions are damaging, I think the way he goes about everything is. So, you know, a debate, like with a debate, it does get, you know, it can get quite fiery, but I feel as though he purposely attacks whoever he's interviewing. And I feel as though, like with Meghan Markle, it's difficult because it came across as being... I don't know whether this is just the way he said it or whether this is actually what was going on in his head, but it came across as though he was personally attacking people suffering from depression and suicidal thoughts in general. So I think that's why it gained as much traction as it did. So I don't know whether that is something that he genuinely believes himself or whether it was just the way it did come across. But then in other instances, you know, like some of the racist slurs, that is obviously like racist and it's obvious that, you know, that's just not okay. But I think it's not built on what Brooke said about the way that it was presented. And I think, I guess it is difficult because like, I don't want to defend him or anything, but at the same time, people had already made up their minds about how they were going to view him after this without giving him time to explain. So I feel like people had already criticised him and that was it. They just weren't open to hearing anything else. So I don't think that helped me either but yeah I think the whole opinion and the way he says it is sort of I think it sort of merges a lot yeah that's really interesting Mads what you say about the fact that there is a whole spectrum of opinions that Piers Morgan has and I think we would be wrong to sit here and say that we disagree with every single one of them or we agree with every single one of them because he is a nuanced human being at the end of the day like we all are so Mads you were talking then about the fact that some of his claims are justified some of his opinions can be justified and we can see some sort of justification in the things that he says so I wonder then do you think it's important that we continue to represent the entire spectrum of political opinion and where do we draw the line between somebody saying something controversial and somebody saying something extreme? So I think as a society we are so diverse in our own opinions and our own thinking that it is quite difficult to discern between what we could classify as extreme and not. Obviously, certain things like racism, you know, that has been embedded in our laws. You know, that's something that's quite easy to identify. Whereas what Pierce said, it technically wasn't against any laws. You know, it wasn't illegal. He wasn't technically breaking the code of conduct. But at the same time, I think people have sort of got to think about how what they say and their actions are going to affect people in the long term. So for Piers Morgan, I don't know whether it was malicious to start with or whether he literally just didn't even think of it as an issue. It's a really interesting point as to whether Piers himself considered what he was saying to be controversial in the first place. So Brooke, I wonder what you have to say about that. What do you think about the fact that Piers' opinions could be considered extreme and basically should we still give people a platform if their opinions could be considered extreme? Yeah, I definitely think that people should still be given a platform because it's like Mad said, at the end of the day, our society is very diverse. We've got a lot of differing opinions and I think that everyone has the right to express these opinions, whether or not you agree with them. And a lot of it, in a sense, did get a bit twisted over social media. For example, people were then saying that he was being racist against Meghan Markle, which that didn't come across to me over the interview and like, the whole debate. I don't think he was being racist there. I think he was just being very extreme in his views. And I think that it's an extreme view that a lot of people had. And I think that's important to recognise. But in general, I think that 
television and the media is a place for everyone to express their views but I think there should be a limit on what is broadcast so for example I definitely don't think that racism or sexism should be openly broadcast like that and I'm not saying that you know that debate showed that I'm just saying in general I firmly believe that that shouldn't be on television so I think that's when the line needs to be drawn if you've got an opinion that is bordering that line I think the presenter needs to think about it more which could largely apply to peers but I don't think you should be silenced until you've definitely crossed that line and you know you've had a massive massive detrimental effect on people yeah I think you bring up a really important point there Brooke about the nuance of debate and the fact that what one person might see as extreme somebody else might see as reasonable because at the end of the day like Madison Brooke have both said we are a diverse society and we do have a broad spectrum of political opinions within our society so Sanjana do you have any sort of closing comments that you'd like to make before we sort of bring this discussion to an end yeah I think Madison Brook raised some really interesting points across the debate and especially in that final point both about understanding the different opinions that we're going to see on media inevitably but also the role of a journalist to be potentially more self-aware whether you're a producer or a journalist or a presenter have that awareness of how far are you on that line between controversial and extreme and we're obviously going to have to think forward about the solutions to create that culture of self-awareness as well but that's a whole another debate that we can have on another podcast I guess my final closing comments would be thank you so much Maddie and Brooke for taking the time out to come and talk to us to share your viewpoint and for having such a respectful and just really insightful debate as well and thank you all to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Empowered Opinions we're really really glad to be going on this project with you guys and empowering all the opinions on the Empowered platform Maddie and Brooke do you have anything that you want to say before we close? I'd just like to say thank you for having me on. It's been a really eye-opening debate. I agree with Madison and I just want to say thank you for inviting me on. I've like really enjoyed the experience and you know the debate was really good and I've myself I've learned loads from this debate. So thank you to Mads for that. And yeah, I just really enjoyed myself. So thank you for having me on. Amazing. Thank you so much everybody for listening. The Empowered Opinions Podcast, empowering the voices of today. If you would like to hear more from us, you can check out our website at empoweredjournalism.com or follow us on social media at Empowered Journos on Twitter and Empowered Journalism everywhere else.